Hey, another great show today. Another great, great podcast. You don't want to miss a second of it. We talk a lot about the Great Reset and what's coming with the economy. It's really important that you understand and understand what just happened in a war game with just about every Western country in the world. It's very important that you understand that. We give you the report from Reuters that nobody is looking at. Also, um, you know, people look at things that are happening around the world, especially if you are um, a Christian and you believe in end time stuff. You look at that and you're like, oh, man, that's the end of the world. It's not, actually. It's actually really good stuff. And to put this into perspective, we have uh, found a, um, a scholar uh, in Israel that I think you're really going to enjoy in hour number two. And hour number one happened so long ago, I have absolutely no idea what we did. Talked about hostess pancakes. Um, right. What if they took yummy. cupcakes, made them into pancakes, and grilled oh, them for breakfast? Gosh. It's a good hour. It was a great... We have to do that hour. Write that down. (laughs) Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Well, looks like uh, growth, uh, the growth slowdown. Morgan Stanley says now is going to spark a 10% stock plunge. Mm, That would be that would be fine, wouldn't it? They're saying that um, investors need to understand the collision between tightening the Federal Reserve and slowing growth. They say that with what's happening already uh, in the stock market, we could be headed for more trouble because the growth is not there. Now, it's weird that people are talking about growth because I don't know about used to, but I've not heard anybody talking about growth, you know, actual economic growth. For two years, and that didn't seem to affect the stock market. Mm, no. Yeah. Seems like we were just pumping money into it to make it go up and stay up. Yeah, exactly Eventually, right. that doesn't work, though. That's <laughs> the think? problem with it. Yeah. It would be great if we just printed money forever and everything went up and everything got better. Mm-hmm. There are usually consequences to those huh. actions. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Joe Biden has uh, put together a, a group of experts, which I love. I don't know about you, but I haven't had enough of experts telling me what's coming and telling me what to do and how they're going to fix things. I love experts. <clears throat> so he's got another group of experts together. And yesterday in a press conference, he would only talk about this panel of experts that were going to help with the economy. So somebody asked him about Ukraine. He said, I'm not taking any questions. But then Peter Ducey asked a question. Here is um, uh, here is uh, Peter Ducey and Joe Biden's response. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Hmm. What a stupid son of a bitch. Now, quite honestly, I, I'm I'm past all of this stuff. Oh my gosh, my sensitive ears. Did the president say? Stupid son of a bitch. Oh, my gosh. I'm a little past that at this point. I'm not. I mean, really? Really? The president can't say stupid son of a bitch. Shut up. But let's just be accurate. Peter Ducey could be a lot of things. But he's not a stupid son of a bitch. I mean, he's goofy. He's probably 
and the nerdiest guy around but when he walks out of a room you're you're they're like i mean i thought you couldn't be goofier than his dad but he's goofier than his dad but he's not stupid and he's not a son of a bitch so inaccurate in the first place here's the only thing that really drives me out of my ever-loving mind and that is the duplicity because somehow or another this time it's different if Donald Trump would have called any member of the press a stupid son of a bitch on mic, knowing he was on mic, said it, uh, they would have gone out of their mind. This is an assault on democracy. This is assault on on these these venerated journalists that are risking their life. The president has just put this reporter's life in danger because he has pointed him out as a stupid son of a bitch. Oh, my gosh. Well, don't worry about it, because this time it's different. First of all, first thing you need to know about the president of the United States is he is officially the get off my lawn old man. Okay. At some point, he's going to throw open the sash of one of the windows in the second story of the White House and go, Yeah, dad, kids, stop shouting, get off my lawn. That's who he is, okay? He's a really angry, bitter guy. He's not the guy that everybody said he was. He's not. He doesn't like to be questioned. You know, it's so funny because there were other people who don't like to be questioned. Um, Fidel uh joseph uh something or rather uh anyway lots of people didn't like to be questioned he didn't like he doesn't like it either so let's just go back into our time tunnel 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 and remember all of the times that the president didn't like certain questions ask the right questions what a stupid son of a bitch come on man that's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you say? Go back and read what I said. Wait, 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 wait. You're getting nervous, man. That is an interesting reading of English. You, you, I assume you got in the, in the journals because you like to write. I want to talk about happy things, man. What? I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that? What, don't Who you said that? that? I know you'd ask it. I have no response. Another smear campaign. Credit your rally. No questions you always ask. You don't understand that. You're in your own business. Can I ask you a quick question on Israel before you drive away? No, you it's can't. So <laughs> I'm not unless you get in front of the car as I step on it. She can ask an obnoxious question. Don't screw around with me. Let's get it straight. You use a rape reference? No, let me listen to me. I'm listening. So don't poke that in my face, okay, buddy? He loves it. Wow. He loves the press. He's good with the press. He's a kind old doddering grandfather who probably should have a little bit more of his medication. Now, again, my problem is not with 
this doddering old man who absolutely has no clue as to what's going on and is angry most of the time because I don't think he understands what's happening in the world anymore. He's been being told all the time, we got to do this. This is the solution. This is the solution. So he believes his his own bullcrap as the solution. He said yesterday, not a thing is going to be changed. He's not changing course at all because he's right. I just would like to remind you again of I don't remember was it his last year before the reelection or is at the end of his first year. I can't remember, but uh, I remember a press conference with uh, George W. Bush where the press was like, you haven't done one thing that you disagree with. There's not one thing that you've done that you don't like and wouldn't want to do over again. Oh, yeah, that was the year uh, they had that big campaign for him to admit a mistake. Yeah, he can't even yeah. admit a mistake. Mm-hmm. He says he'd do everything all over the same way. <laughs> you remember that? Mm-hmm. Now they don't care. Now they don't care. This, I'm, I'm, this is just instructional for the media. This isn't you. You know this. This is why people don't like you. This is why people don't trust you. Here's Chuck Todd when... Chuck Todd and his delicate little ears heard Donald Trump use SOB. Here's what he said. The SOB thing might be going a little too far. You know, he's, uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I uh, bring my kids up to respect the office of the presidency and the president. Uh Um, uh uh I don't allow them to say anything negative ever Ever. uh, about the president. Hmm. It, him doing that, uh, it creates a challenge to all parents right. when he uses vulgarities like that. Uh-huh. When plenty of us are trying to do the, I was raised, I sort of have the military rule in my house. You don't speak ill of a sitting president. Oh, that is great. It's in his house. It's not in his studio, but it definitely is in his house. Uh, have we so, seen his updated comments on this? Has, has he said no, anything he yet? No, he hasn't, he hasn't come out and said anything. It'll be interesting to see if he does. Yeah, yeah. I know Brian Stelter did. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? Do we have the Brian Stelter? This time it's different. We have. Well, it was a tweet is what I saw. Okay, um, go ahead. Now, he said back in 2018, calling a journalist a son of a bitch, it was r- wrong when Trump was just a candidate, and it's even worse now that he's POTUS. And it's a clip from his own newsletter um, where I guess he uh, he said the, that, and he it, it highlighted potential th- uh, th- journalists to threats and intimidation, um, mm, see, which see. is the way he saw that back in 2018. This mm-hmm. time, he says... This is from 2018. It's still true. Biden was wrong to call Ducey an SOB. The press is right to hold presidents to high standards. Biden doesn't berate the media like Trump. So the context for today is different, different. Mm-hmm. but it's still out of line. Yeah. Okay. So it just because you, Brian, are not targeted, we are. You every day are calling people like me science deniers, dangerous, conspiracy theorists, the reason why everybody has COVID, all of these things. You're putting my life in danger. And then the president saying something like that about a reporter on the right puts all of us in danger. But you see, you don't care about that. I care about it when you're in danger. Or I'm in danger because we're all in danger. We're all in danger. But you don't care uh, seemingly about the liquefaction of half of society. They're not worth anything to you. That's a problem. So here's how you know 
when you're on the wrong side of really pretty much any topic. When somebody in the room says, yeah, but it's different this time. For instance, this is what was said to me, you know, about Osama bin Laden in 1999. It's not going to happen. It's really all of these were conservatives. It's all about you just covering for Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton's only trying to get off the front page. That's why he bombed the baby aspirin uh, 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 company. It has nothing to do with the danger of this guy called Osama bin Laden. And when I said, no, you should read his words within 10 years, blood, body and buildings will be in the streets of New York City and it'll have this guy's name on it. They said, no, it's different this time. Ignore. Same thing with the crash of 2008. Um, aren't we doing exactly the same thing we said we shouldn't do? Aren't we just aren't, aren't we headed for a cataclysmic problem because of all of this trading of stuff that's worthless? No, it's different this time. The caliphate. Here comes the caliphate. No, it's different this time. It's, never, it's not different, and it's not different this time with the economy and printing money. Oh, we're going to print money. Well, doesn't that cause inflation? No, it's different this time. It's never different, okay? There are certain universal rules. If you don't like the fact that Donald Trump tweets mean things, okay, I get it. I don't like that either. But it's not different than when Joe Biden, who, uh, by the way, I think Donald Trump sometimes means it and sometimes he's just trolling. I mean, if you can't see Donald Trump's sense of humor, you're missing a really good time. You really are. He's a funny guy. So sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's not. I don't like the fact that, you know, America has to decide, was that a funny one or is that a real one? I don't like that. I wish we didn't have to deal with that. Okay, got it. But it's not different when your side does it. It's not. It's not different. That's how you know when somebody is telling you something that you should not buy. If I'm telling you it's different this time, don't listen to me. 99% of the times, it is not different. People are just making an excuse because they want it to be easier for them, their life, or their quest. Easy is never the right road. The right road usually involves pain and discipline and things that you don't want to face, don't want to admit, don't want to do. That's, that's why things are never different. Because for us to truly grow, we have to do the hard things. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. All right, I want to... Uh, I want to bring on the phone the founder and president of Behold Israel. His name is Amir Sufati. Do I have that right, Amir? Almost. Yeah, most wait, people wait, wait. get it let wrong. Try, wait, wait, let me try it again. 
Safati. Amir Safati. Safati. Correct. Correct. You got it right. (laughs) It only took a second time. Uh, So thank you so much for being on uh, the program. Uh, I have not read your book yet, but I have talked to friends who have, and it is on my list of books to read because they, they have all said to me, you have a, an amazing perspective and a different perspective when you're looking at, um, you know, Bible prophecy. And you say, we are the luckiest generation to live since the time of Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that. We are not only the luckiest, we are the greatest generation. Now, I know that that term reserved to veterans of World War II for what they did, but I'm talking about being the greatest generation in, in, by ways of looking at what God is doing. Never in the history since the first century, a generation witnessed so many Bible prophecies being fulfilled as our generation is. And, and when, I, when I wrote this book, together with my friend Steve Young, this book is a, a picture of what is going on in the Middle East, but it's also a picture of a, a, the faithfulness of God to His Word and His promises. You know, I, I actually mentioned a drone attack on, on uh, the Burj Khalifa. I mm. mentioned that in my book, and this is the talk right now all over the news. No, from the side of the Houthis, by the way. And the reason why I think that it's important is because the Bible gives us tools to understand the geopolitical situation in the Middle East, but also to understand what is really going on all around the world. See, I'm not surprised by any of those things that are happening now, because I believe in Bible prophecy. I come from a nonprofit organization. I'm not a prophet. I don't know by my own wisdom. I know just by, by looking at what God said, sometimes 2,600 years ago, sometimes 2,000 years ago, but it's all written for us not to scare, mm-hmm. but to prepare. Okay, so let me go into you a, a bit, um, because you, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you were in an orphanage for a while, and then as a teenager, you just became very depressed and wanted to end your own life. What happened? Well, so I, I, I looked at my life and I had no hope in my life. I had, uh, I did not grow up with my own parents. I grew up in foster homes. I was abused in every possible way. I did not see hope in my life. I did not see kindness. I did not see goodness in this world. And then I remember um, I studied together for the final exams in high school with a friend of mine whom I found to be a Jew who believes in the Old and the New Testament, a Messianic Jew, a Jewish believer in Yeshua and Jesus. And I started asking questions because, you know, for me, it's very odd. It's very, you know, Jews don't believe in Jesus. That's, that's, That's it. And then they started sharing with me, but they did not even share a single verse from the New Testament. Nothing. That was like a taboo. I'm not going there. So I started reading the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and, 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 and all of them. And I could not believe that I can see, I mean, literally, I could see everything that the New Testament later on said already there in the Old Testament. And I realized that there, God provided 2,000 years ago for me, not only a way 
to uh, to to have peace with him. I mean, that's one of the names of Jesus is Prince of Peace, Sal Shalom in Hebrew. There is no more war between us and God. There is no more animosity. He broke that. Now there is the gospel of peace because of what he did on the cross, and he paid for my sins. And I'm no longer having that uh, disconnection that Isaiah describes that our sins cause between men and God. It, and that's it. And, and I got kicked out of the house because of that, by the way. I got back home. I said, wow. Hey, I found the Messiah, Isaiah 53. Read the whole chapter. It's all about Jesus. They kicked me out <laughs> because, wow. uh, you know, Jews should not do that. Yeah? Right. And so, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's amazing because I think that the world is, is developing its own religion now. And it is a, it is a religion where there is no forgiveness. Um, you know, it's cancel culture. It's all of the stuff that's happening right now. And it is such a, if you will use the term, an anti-Christ uh, message that it, because it offers no peace ever. There mm-hmm. is no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness of others, no forgiveness of the mistakes of the mm-hmm. past that you made or past generations. You're still responsible for them. And it, it I, is causing all kinds of issues right now as we I go away from you. that. We, we are watching the rise of a of one-world religion. It doesn't anymore matter where you're coming for, from. They are telling you always leads to God, and then they're telling you there is no absolute truth. I mean, everything, I mean it's, everything can be true, and, but by doing so, it's exactly what you say. They cancel culture, and don't, it's not just culture. They cancel God's word. They're saying God there's many gods. It's, it's, there's only, not only one. In fact, man has the right to do what God normally does. We will choose who we are. We will choose the sex we have. We will choose this type of uh, family that, uh, you know, will be. We will choose how, to, how we govern. We will choose what blessings should come from hard work and what shouldn't. Look, America, it's funny. America was founded as uh, as an Israeli, I can look at it, and I always saw this God, prosperity, and blessing, and happiness. Mm-hmm. People were happy that they were prospered, but they also saw it as a blessing from God. What we see today is the rise of a new culture that just said there is no God, you shouldn't be happy, you shouldn't be happy, be angry, go out to the street, burn the street, and you shouldn't prosper, because that means you steal from others. And when you when you take all three of them and you cancel them, and that's it, it's America is changing. Not only America, Europe is changing, the world is changing. Even my own country, there's a government of change. That's how they call it. It's progressive, liberal, and it, it, we, are the, we are the weakest we've ever been right now. And mm. it's very terrifying to see. I see what you have in your country reflecting also on ours and on other places, but the new religion leaves Jesus out, and it basically sanctifies men as God and always leads to God, and, and that's it. And I, it's, it's scary. I will tell you that I, I really, it cemented in my mind that this is the new global religion. Uh, when Notre Dame came out and said, we are... Uh, redesigning Notre Dame to have to be a temple for the earth 
and a temple for social justice. Uh, it was it was very clear that, that this is a religion. Exactly. It is a religion. We're Look, we're seeing a convergence of three things that are happening in the world. And by the way, that's why Bible prophecy is so relevant, because it predicted all of that. We're watching three things. We're watching the attempt to bring a one-world government, and that's the globalization and the Great attempt reset. to cancel government. Yes. The Great Reset is not just on government. It's on Everything. financials, mm-hmm. and it's on religion. Exactly. And so we're watching all of that happening. And now my question is, okay, what are we doing with it? Because uh, biblically, it has to happen. Not has to happen because it's great, because it's good. It's because God could see it happening. You see, people don't understand that God is above time. It's almost like we watch a parade from a curbside, but God watches it from above. He sees the entire parade. We only see a section at a time. And so whatever we see today is something God saw already. And this is why prophecy is so important, because prophecy is giving us the entire picture of past, present, and future. I remember the two disciples that walked to the, on, on the road to Emmaus in Matthew 25. Jesus just resurrected from the dead. The tomb is empty, and two of his disciples are walking angry, sad, confused, embarrassed. And Jesus joins them and says, what is it that you're talking about that you're so sad? And it's Jesus resurrected. And they tell him all the bad things that happened that weekend. And he called his own disciples, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe that which the prophets have said. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered all of these things? In other words, Jesus said, if you only believe, not just read in the synagogue, if you believed that which the prophets have said, you would have understood that I had to die for you. This is exactly what Isaiah 53 is all about. You would have understood that I am to resurrect because Isaiah predicted my resurrection. You would have understood that that was the price that had to be paid. There is no first coming Messiah to reign and rule over sinful people, and that's it. Let's party. <laughs> Someone <laughs> has to pay the price right. for the, your sins, and that is what I see today. People are angry, confused. They are embarrassed, but they fail to see the full picture. God is in full control of okay. everything. Amir Safati is the author of Operation Yokedon, uh, and I, I wanted to get into a little bit of what you what you think where we are. I find it fascinating and true that at the time of Christ, all kinds of prophecies were being filled for fulfilled. And we have seen them in dribs and drabs. Um, but right now, all kinds of stuff are, hap- are happening. And you say we're not only missing them, but we're missing uh, the right way to look at them. And I think we've just done the right way to look at them. It's good stuff is coming. Good stuff is coming. The beginning of a new world. Uh, What are you seeing that is being fulfilled so rapidly? Well, first of all, most of Bible prophecy is uh, talking about the area where I'm from in the Middle East. You know, in fact, Bible prophecy is not about nations in, in their relations between themselves. It's about nations in their relations to Israel, the people or the land. So 
in order to understand fulfillment of Bible prophecy, we have to uh, zoom out of America, mm-hmm. fly all the way to the Middle East, zoom in and look at what is going on there. Now, our generation is seeing fulfillment of Ezekiel in chapter 36 and 37, and we're on the verge of chapter 30. We're watching the rebirth of Israel, which is something no one can explain in in earthly explanation. This is uh, definitely the work of God. Even Israelis don't have a way to explain that. I mean, we're we're a country almost 74 years old, surrounded by enemies all around. Even the Yemenite Houthis are saying today that they're thinking about start sending ballistic missiles towards Israel also. There's always someone around there that wants to destroy us. But God, and that's that's it, but God, God rescued us from the ashes of the Holocaust. He brought us physically to the land, and he revived the land that was dead for 2,000 years. He revived the language that was forgotten for 2,000 years. And he connected the people with the land again, just as he said. And now we're watching. Israel on the verge of another big war, a war that will, and that is exactly what Ezekiel in chapter 38 talks about, a a war that now will be with Rosh, which is Russia, with Gomer and Togama, which is Turkey of today, and Iran, Persia. The Bible told us all about that. And I'm looking at these three world leaders meeting about Syria yet eyeing Israel and our mm-hmm. gas that we just found. It is, it, it is a remarkable thing to see that, if you know what those ancient lands are now, today. The first time there's ever been a treaty between the three of them, meetings between the three Absolutely. of them. Absolutely, um, because they hate each other. And you also, you also have um, the Ukraine could be working towards God's advantage because every time there is some big event like a war, like in Ukraine, you will see an influx of Jews into Israel like never before. That's true. You're, you're, you're right. And in fact, the Israelis are now working on, on getting as many Jews from the Ukraine as possible. But the thing is, I want to zoom out even, even, even more to look at the, at the superpowers around the world right now. Because the Middle East has always, always been dominated by some superpower, some empire. And it's no secret that America was our biggest ally uh, over the last 50 years, there's no doubt. But um, there's a huge difference between 45th and 46th right now, and we're watching it. And it also, in a way, plays into Bible prophecy. And why am I saying that? According to the Bible, Jerusalem has to come back to our hands. There's no doubt because Messiah has to come back to the Jewish people, to Jerusalem, the Antichrist wants to build a, the temple in Jerusalem and to declare himself as God over the, and now Israel must be back in the land and the temple has to be rebuilt. Okay, so President Trump declared Jerusalem as the capital of Israel like no other president before. He not only did that, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem and by that he put an end to this charade of where the embassy of the superpower of the world is going to be. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. I think my good friend uh, Billy Hollowell at Faithwire, to uh, who brought our guest to my attention, Amir Sufati. Uh, he is the founder and president of Behold Israel. He's written a book called Operation Yokton. Uh, and we were just talking about uh, the significance 
of Donald Trump declaring the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, and how that plays. And so does Joe Biden plays a role in the future, you think? Yes, I believe so. But be, uh, let me just say one last thing about President Trump. Because uh, a lot of people tend to ridicule him as, as someone who, who is not, uh, I don't know, intellectual enough or yeah. smart enough for the political work. I think he's by far the most brilliant president I've ever seen sitting in the White House. And I tell you why, from an Israeli perspective, he could see what's going on with Russia right now. He could see that Russia will threaten the energy supply into Europe. And he already worked hard that the Israelis will extract their gas and have a, another alternative gas pipe to Europe. And, and as of yesterday, we learned that the current administration is against that alternative gas pipe. Mm. Now, why, <laughs> we have the East Mediterranean pipe. Mm. Germany wanted to have another one with Russia, the Nord Stream 2, which unfortunately the Biden administration uh, agreed to. And now we see that Russia becomes once again the major player in not only what's going on in the Middle East, but even what's going on in Europe. And now I'm moving to the role of uh, President Biden, I believe, because, look, again, I have to remind you that Bible prophecy is about what is going on in the Middle East. In, and, and we see that the only way Russia could pose a threat to Israel together with Iran and Turkey is when there is someone weak in the White House. And what we see today is exactly happening. We see that um, in the White House, there is someone that is no longer seeing Israel as the greatest ally in the Middle East, that is no longer interested in helping um, the, uh, the, the greatest ally that they have in the Middle East. We are seeing that they don't think ahead like 45th did. They don't think ahead. They're just managing crisis one after the other. And now we are at the point where, like, like never before in the last 20 years, Russia is gaining strength and is scaring once again, we're back to the Cold War, where all the countries that were added to NATO after 97 are scared because Russia is demanding all of them to be out of NATO. Any country that was added after 97 should be out. Russia put a paper of demands on the table. And if America is not going to comply, Russia is going to make the move. And everybody knows that they're ready. And so we so what I'm trying to say, when there's a, when there's a, a strong person in the Oval Office, we can see that things are moving in the Middle East in that positive way. And not only that we see that Jerusalem is back, our capital, you know, legitimately uh, also in an international way, but also we see peace between Israel and Gulf states and a warmer relationship between Israel and the Saudi Arabians, which is, by, by the way, prophetically um, uh, prescribed. The Bible says in the same Ezekiel 38 that Sheba and Dedan, which is the biblical name of Saudi and the Gulf state, will actually protest the coming attack of Russia, Iran, and Turkey on Israel. Can you imagine? Wow. Arab Muslim states are protesting the attack on Israel. And this is the work of uh, President Trump. God used him to bring, to reshape the Middle East in ways we've never seen before. And now, at the same time, we're watching this progressive, liberal, demonic at attack on the whole world, changing everything 
and changing also the the way the White House is handling itself when it comes to Israel and the Middle East. Everybody saw what happened in Afghanistan. It emboldened every terrorist organization, every regime that wants that is, is power hungry. It emboldened them. And we are watching the result. What we see now in January of 2022 goes back to August of 2021. So let me, and, uh, yeah, let me, I have two questions and we've got about five minutes. Um, so let me, let me ask you this question first. You know, a lot of people say America's not in the uh, biblical prophecy and I completely, I, I could buy that. Uh, but I have been wondering recently if we're not the great horror of Babylon, we're not the one who sold out everything we believed and just became the horror of the earth. Yeah. Well, look, America is not, me- you're right, America is not mentioned per se in, the, in, 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 in uh, the Bible, but as we just saw, without America, God is using every empire, every oh, yeah. superpower around the world. So without America, things that I just talked about could have not happened. Now, I believe that when it comes to mystery Babylon that the, the, uh, the, the book of Revelation refers to, this is more of a system that is now being created in the world that at this point is led by America. But uh, America, I don't have uh, great news about your economy and about your growth. You just in the previous segment talked about that growth. Yeah. Um, that America will not stay the leader of all of this uh, for, for, uh, for the rest of uh, the history. We are talking about America now leading it, but then the Europe will take the baton and continue. We are mm-hmm. watching a system. It's a system that is, that is completely ousting God and Christ out of the picture and will be um, uh, indulging on 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 re- compliance of people. Yep, um, it's, it is the great reset, and it's the only way I can describe absolutely. it. So let me so, so let me ask you the second question. I have I have always looked at um, uh, God's plan, and as you see it unfold, usually after you're like, "Wow, look at the way He was working." Uh, Billy Graham was a friend of mine, and he used to say, uh, you know, what God's doing, nobody knows. And in the end, you'll see his you'll see this mosaic from all over the world. And you'll be like, only God could have done that. Um, But I also feel as though if I were a Jewish person in 1939 and somebody came to me and said, hey, but you know what? By 1947, Israel. I would be like, yeah, but I have to get from there to here or from here to there. That's not fun. How do you keep a it's positive? How do you keep a positive outlook on the times that we may be facing? Well, you see, I believe that uh, until we, the Lord comes and takes us out of this place, uh, we need to occupy. That's what he said. Until I come, occupy. We are we should be, if we believe in him, we should be agents of righteousness. We should fight um, everything that has to do with, you know, the biblical, uh, the biblical aspects of our life. We should never, ever settle with things that are not biblical. But we should also remember, we should also remember, there are things that are to happen. You cannot change it. God sent us like an attachment in an email, prophecy, in order for us to understand what is going to happen. And because we know what is going to happen, we're not surprised. 
and we are getting prepared. We're getting prepared by ways of how we raise our children. We're getting prepared by how we handle ourselves. Look, money is nice, work is nice, prosperity is nice, but what about your soul? What about, what about, <laughs> what about you? Are you ready to meet your Savior? Are you there ready to be out of here when, when he comes to take us? Are you ready to, do you, can you say that you live now life that is ready for him? And that's the question because, you know, we can fight many fights, but the most important fight that I think matters the most is our own life and the way not only we conduct our life, the way we conduct the life as a family, and that will project us as a society, as a nation. And I think that the more we want to leave God out and the more we fight things that are not all the things of God, the less we find strength and energy to do the things that matters the most. And, and so, uh, look, every Jew who survived the Holocaust, look back and understand that the Holocaust was inevitable. The Holocaust was inevitable because we, we, we were talking about uh, things that progressed and, and, and happened. And, and that was the evil, of, the evil side of mankind that, uh, you know, always, always was there. And by the way, the attempt to destroy Israel has been there from the moment they left Egypt, mm-hmm. all the way until now. And even now, the only country that people wants to destroy and openly say that and vow to do so is Israel. But again, look back and see what God did. Against all odds, we're now one of the strongest nations in the world, one of the strongest economies. We are the fourth country that landed a vehicle on the moon. We are leading in so many things. Why? Because God has the final say. God has the last word. And you can fight against Israel as much as you want. You'll end up fighting against God. And I, 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 always, tell, I always tell people, even when Babylon was allowed to take the Jews to exile, 70 years later, God judged them for it. So don't ever think that, you know, if God is allowing something to happen, he's not going to judge you for the evil intention that you had when you did it. And so this is... We, we need to stand before God every day and, and look at our own life and make sure that we remain agents of righteousness and, and do the things, not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God, do the things that matters the most. And America, America is not going to go back to what it used to be. We all know that. But America is in a great fight right now to at least keep God in the picture to at least remain, you know, a, a country that will continue to, to, to show the light of God around the world. And unfortunately, as I said in the very beginning, what we see now is the elements of progressive liberal mindset trying to, he got out of the question, blame you for your prosperity, and even accuse you for not have, telling you that you don't even have the right to have happiness. Amir, and, um, Amir Safati, the founder and president of Behold Israel, BeholdIsrael.org, and on Instagram, Behold Israel. He has written a new fiction book that uh, was written for people who don't normally would pick up a Christian book or whatever. Um, but it, it talks about the days in which we're in. 
Uh, it's called Operation Yokton. Operation Yokton. Amir, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you, Glenn. You God bet. Bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.